Bible study lesson lesson 10 for November 7, 2021. Um, it's called Forgiving as God's People. Forgiving as God's People. You can find this on page 69 in your student book. Page 69 in your student book. Forgiving as God's People. Okay, the Bible basis is Matthew chapter 5, verse 17 through 26. The Bible truth is as people of God living in harmony with others is important. Memory verse is, therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar and there rememberest that thy brother as ought against thee, leave there thy gift before the altar and go thy way. First, be reconciled to thy brother, and then come and offer thy gift, which is in Matthew 5, verse 23 through 24, the King James Version. Our lesson aim is by the end of this lesson, we will discuss the beauty and wonder of love in a committed relationship, reflect on our attitude about love and commitment, and explain how to build a relationship that honors a marriage commitment. Background scriptures is Matthew 5, verse 17 through 16. Amen. Amen. All right. Into your study of the lesson. Okay. Life need for today's lesson is to know what Jesus taught about the relationship between reconciliation and forgiveness. From the Bible learning to reflect more on reconciliation as God's people, um, Bible application is to begin to understand the consequences of anger and how to improve relationships. And um, we want students will seek to repair a damaged relationship. That's the student's responses. All right, Matthew Matthew 5, verse 17 through 26, King James Version, it says, Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. Verse 18, For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one title or one tittle, shall in no wise pass from the law <clears throat> till all be fulfilled. <clears throat> Verse 19. Whosoever therefore shall break one of these least commandments and shall teach men so, he shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whosoever shall do and teach them, <clears throat> the same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Verse 20. For I say unto you that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness 
of the scribes and Pharisees, ye shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. 21. Ye have heard that it was said by them of old time, Thou shalt not kill, and whosoever shall kill shall be in danger of the judgment. 22. But I say unto you that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whosoever shall say to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of the council. <laughs> but whosoever shall say, Thou fool, shall be in danger of hellfire. Verse 23, Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar, and there rememberest <clears throat> that, they, that thy brother has ought against thee, leave there thy gift before the altar, and go thy way. First be reconciled to thy brother, and then come and offer thy gift. Verse 25, Agree with thy adversary quickly, whilst thou art in the way with him, lest at any time the adversary delivers thee to the judge, and the judge deliver thee to the officer, and thou be cast into prison. And verse 26, Verily I say unto thee, Thou shalt by no means come out thence till thou hast peed utterly farther, farthing, paid the uttermost farthing. Biblical definition to fulfill, which is in Matthew 5 and 17. The Greek word is pleru. And it means to accomplish or complete something. And to be reconciled, which is in verse 24, is pronounced dialasso, which is Greek, which means conciliated, cause the nature of a broken relationship to change. Amen. On the hills of a triumph victory in the wilderness, Jesus begins his public ministry. His fame spread rapidly due in part to Jesus' astounding power to heal various diseases. While the multitudes followed Jesus to receive healing, many of the religious leaders shunned commitment to him or his teaching. This did not stop Jesus from healing, teaching, and preaching God's word to others. Life's need for today's lesson. The aim is that we all will learn more about how Jesus came to fulfill the law. The introduction, the danger of not forgiving. It is quite dangerous for us not to forgive. We are responsible to make sure we don't tempt our brother to sin by leaving conflicts unresolved. We must do everything in our power to eradicate the poison of resentment from our lives as well as the lives of others. Our faithfulness to do so is far more important than even the most solemn act of worship. Under Bible learning, the aim is that we will understand how Jesus came to fulfill the law. 
Number one, Jesus' obedience to God, which is in Matthew 5, 17 through 18. It says, Jesus prepares his listeners for what he is about to say by explaining that his teaching does not destroy, but rather fulfills the Old Testament. The Greek word translated destroy in other contexts means dissolve, disunite, subvert, demolish. Here it means do away with, and you'll make invalid. To fulfill the law and prophets then would be to uphold the laws of the Old Testament and to bring to fulfillment their messianic and kingdom prophecies. His purpose was finished, verses 17 through 18. Verse 17 says, Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. Jesus lived a life on earth that honored God and was marked by obedience, self-denial, and love. Before dying, Jesus declared, when Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, he said, it is finished, and he bowed his head and gave up the ghost, which is in John 19, verse 30, King James Version. Jesus finished the work of fulfilling the law, but not in ways people expected. For example, the scribes were outraged what Jesus told a sick man. And behold, behold, they brought to him a man sick of the palsy, lying on a bed. And Jesus, seeing their face, said unto the sick of palsy, Son, be of good cheer, thy sins be forgiven thee. From Matthew chapter 9, verse 2. Knowing the bystanders' emerging criticism, Jesus queried, For whether it's easier to say, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Arise and walk. From Matthew chapter 9, verse 5. Jesus continued by saying, But that ye may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. Then says he to the sick of the palsy, Arise, take up thy bed, and go unto thy house. Matthew chapter 9, verse 6. Search the scriptures. Question number 1. Did Jesus come to fulfill or destroy the law? The answer is Jesus came to fulfill the law. Light on the word, the perfect sacrifice. The law exacted punishment for sin, but also provided a system of sacrifice for unintentional and unintentional sin. From Leviticus, Leviticus chapter 4. The sacrifices of animals, however, could not completely atone for sin and only foreshadowed the atonement of Jesus Christ. For Jesus, fulfilling the law meant become meant becoming the sacrificial lamb slain for human mankind's sins from Galatians 1 through 4. It says, Who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of God and our Father? 
Beholding Jesus the next day, John sees Jesus coming unto him and says, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world, which is in John 1, verse 29. His was a one-time only sacrifice that completely fulfilled the law in Hebrews 10, verse 12. Part 2, Hypocrisy Condemned, Matthew chapter 5, 19 through 20. It says, In Jesus' day, the Pharisees and scribes were the epitome, epitome of hypocrisy. On one occasion, Jesus said, But woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For ye shut up the kingdom of heaven against men. For ye neither go in yourselves, neither suffer ye them that are entering to go in. Matthew Chapter 23, verse 13. Ironically, they accused him of hypocrisy because Jesus ate with known sinners, offered compassion to tax collectors and haulers, and associated with non-Jews. Beast and righteous, verse 19-20. Whosoever therefore shall break one of these least commandments, and shall teach men so, he shall be called the least of the kingdom of heaven. But whosoever shall do and teach them, the same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Verse 20. For I say unto you that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, ye shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. The consequence for a living and deliberate violation of God's law is being called least in the kingdom of heaven. What God wants is not a display of religious behavior that impresses others but our wholehearted submission to his will. It is impossible to rise to greatness in God's eyes without a firm commitment to total obedience. The scribes and Pharisees were some of the spiritual elite in Jesus' day. The scribes were the expert teachers and interpreters of the law. The Pharisees were the Jewish religious party whose name comes from the Aramic meaning separated. Among other things, they attempted to distinguish themselves through fast, fastidious obedience to the law, according to Philippians 3, 4 through 6. However, they also added human traditions to the laws of God and modified God's laws through their interpretations and traditions. Because their lives were so dominated by conformity to their religious rules, they were highly regarded by the Jewish people for their outward appearance of righteousness. Jesus' statement that our righteousness must exceed that of the Pharisees would have shocked his audience. Most of his hearers would have assumed that if anyone could make it to heaven on the basis of their good works, it would be the Pharisees. Doubtless they would have thought, if even the Pharisees aren't good enough, is there any hope for the rest of us? But Jesus' point, point is not that we must do more than the Pharisees, but that their righteousness is not true righteousness. Question number two. Describe what least means in verse Matthew 5, verse 19. Least means the consequences for living in deliberate violation of God's law. All right. Don't be a hypocrite. 
light on the world. Don't be a hypocrite. Jesus' life and ministry proved that the law requires more than outward obedience. It requires a change of heart, evidenced by authentic living, free from hypocrisy. This kind of lifestyle promotes reconciliation, allowing us to exist harmoniously with others. Jesus warned, take heed and beware of the leaving of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees. Beware of the yeast of the Pharisees and Sadducees, according to Matthew 16 and, not, and 6. He later helped the dis- disciples understand that yeast referred to the false teaching among the Pharisees and Sadducees. A small amount could rise and spread, according to Matthew 16, verse 17 through 12. Part 3, Harmonious Living, which is Matthew 5, 21 through 26. The Sixth Commandment prohibited murder, Exodus 20 and 13. Its strict adherence to the law taught that the commandment referring to killing a person. Jesus, however, helped listeners understand that the spirit of the law meant much more. For example, anger is akin to murder. And has its own consequences, but those things which proceed out of the mouth come forth from forth from the heart, and they defile the man. But out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, murderers, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witnesses, blasphemies. According to Matthew fifteen, verse eighteen through nineteen. All right, living in peace, joy, and forgiveness, verses twenty one through twenty six. Ye have heard that it was said by them of old times, Thou shalt not kill, and whosoever shall kill be in danger of the judgment. Verse 22, But I say unto you that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment, and whosoever shall say to his brother, Rapha, shall be in danger of the council, but whosoever shall say, Thou fool, shall be in danger of hell fire. Jesus now begins to address specific commandments from God's law to show just how the scribes and Pharisees have misunderstood and misrepresented them. He starts with the sixth commandment found in Exodus 20 and 13, Thou shalt not kill. The Old Testament law required that anyone guilty of murder, intentional, unjustified homicide, be put to death. Those guilty of unintentional homicide, manslaughter, could avoid the death penalty, but did have to stand before the congregation for judgment to determine whether it, whether or not it really was manslaughter from Numbers 35 and 12. Any conviction required a trial and a testimony of at least two witnesses, chapter 35 to 30, verse 30. But Jesus reveals that simply abstaining from murder does not count as true righteousness. He lists two common offenses and reveals a murderous heart, anger and ridicule. The anger at issue here is clearly unjustified anger, even though the best Greek manuscripts do not include the phrase without a cause. Jesus himself was sometimes angry, Matthew 21, 12-13, and Mark 3 and 5. But his anger was always justified and was directed at those whose evil was exposed by the hypocrisy and the exploitation of the vulnerable. In brief, the anger that qualifies as a violation of God's law is anger that is unjustly aroused, such as Cain's jealous anger of Abel, Genesis 4, 5-6, and number 2, 
anger that is not swiftly resolved, making it likely that we will sin. Ephesians 4, verses 26-27. Most scholars take the Aramaic term raka to mean empty-headed. Numbskull, fool. The Greek word for you fool is an adjective used elsewhere in the New Testament to mean foolish. Any words that communicate to someone that he or she is worthless are a violation of true righteousness, whether or not that violation is punished by a human authority. Verse 23. Therefore, thou bring thy gift to the altar, and there rememberest that thy brother has aught against thee. Number 24. Leave there thy gift before the altar and go thy way. First, be reconciled to thy brother. And then come and offer thy gift. The altar in question here is the temple altar, and the gift is the offering being brought for sacrifice. This teaching underscores the priority of forgiveness in two ways. First, it warns us against the hypocrisy of pretending to be at peace with God when we are at odds with others. If our faith is genuine, God's forgiveness of us in Christ transforms us to make us willing to pursue reconciliation with others. Secondly, Jesus saying forgiveness is so important that we need to pursue reconciliation even in a situation when others and ourselves are the angry ones. Agree with thy adversary quickly. While thou art in the way with him, let at any time the adversary deliver thee to the judge, and the judge deliver thee to the officer, and thou be cast into prison. Verse 26, Verily I say unto thee, Thou shalt by no means come out thence, till thou hast paid the uttermost farthing. Jesus ends his interpretation of the Sixth Commandment by discussing the urgency and wisdom of forgiveness. The Greek word translated agree with literally means giving yourself wholly to an idea or a person. The Greek word translated adversary refers to the opponent in a lawsuit. Because that, because of the pre- preceding verses, we know that Jesus is not speaking only of legal affairs, but is using a legal situation as an example to make his point. He is speaking about our need to reconcile as quickly as possible in any kind of conflict, just as in the proceeding. Proceeding situation with the brother who is right and who is wrong is irrelevant. The word translated farthing refers to the smallest Roman coin. Unresolved conflict creates situations in which others may seek to get every last penny from us. Failure to reconcile quickly can have dramatic, painful, and even permanent consequences. It is a foolish and unnecessary risk to let a matter wait. The best time to attempt reconciliation will always be right away. Question number three. A farthing referred to what? The smallest Roman coin. Answers will vary. Write the word fostering reconciliation. When we live harmonious with other people, we can foster reconciliation. As we do, we experience the power of forgiveness. Forgiveness promotes reconciliation on two levels, between God and humankind and between people. The power of forgiveness always always allows us to heal past, present, and future. 
emotional wound. A commitment to forgive future offenses acknowledge the inevitable. Someone will probably offend you daily and vice versa. The peace of forgiveness. Forgiveness promotes inner peace. Psalm 32 and 3 to 4 offers a glimpse of the turmoil of unforgiveness, while verses 1 and 2 describe the peace re- received from being forgiven. Forgiven. The joy of forgiveness. Forgiveness not only promotes peace, it also sparks joy. That's true whether we are forgiving someone or being forgiven. To experience the fullness of joy, dare to be the first to say, I'm sorry. All right, the aim. Um, we will. The aim is that we will better understand how forgiving others as people, as God's people, is necessary to help us draw closer to God and have healthier lives. Bakari in a strange relationship. Bakari sat in the examination room, anxiously awaiting a cardiologist and the results from a recent battery of tests. He hoped to learn the source of persistent chest and back pains. A non-smoker and non-drinker, Bakari was 40, physically fit, and had no family history of cardiac problems. Despite this, he was advised to see a cardiologist with nothing ease his discomfort. When nothing ease his discomfort. After meeting with the doctor, Bakari left relieved that he did not have heart disease. At the same time, he was a bit dismayed at some of the doctor's suggestions to reduce stress, including improving personal relationships. Bakari knew that included his estranged father. Damaged relationships are particularly troublesome, <laughs> impacting one's mental, physical, and emotional health. Working to resolve issues with family, friends, and coworkers can go a long way in promoting physical and social well-being. The aim is that we will learn how to give and receive forgiveness. The power of forgiveness. Many people feel forgiveness should be earned, but that is not a scriptural approach. Scripture encourages us to forgive unconditionally. And repeatedly, Matthew 18, 21-23, tap into the power of forgiveness. This week, ask God to help you identify harmful habits that block forgiveness. Allow Him to open your eyes to the way in which you extend and receive forgiveness. Then take every opportunity to grasp or extend forgiveness in a Christ-honoring manner. My prayer is... <clears throat> My prayer is, Lord, help us, Lord, to be who you want us to be. Guide our tongues and our minds to be on one accord with you. Thank you for caring for us and forgiving us as as, as we reconcile ourselves to one another. Let us stay focused on you and in your word. In the name of Jesus, we pray, amen. All right, dig a little deeper. Forgiveness is primarily is the primary and foundational principle of the Bible and our Christian faith. After Adam and Eve's sin, atonement became necessary. Atonement is at one meant by which re- reconciliation with God is accomplished through the death of Christ. Like atonement or at one meant, God's commandments are about relationship. The law was created for our relationship with God and others so that in our families, churches, and communities, and government, relationships will be conciliatory, meaning loving, caring, and equitable relationships. 
The commandments guide us in our relationship with God and with one another. Jesus came to fulfill the law through his atoning death on the cross. Forgiveness became the seal of approval for atonement involving repentance, redemption, and reconciliation, with the ultimate goal being reconciliation. We don't always want to forgive, but in order to heal, we must forgive. We forgive not for the sake of the person who did us wrong, but in order to heal and restore broken and lost relationships. The three biblical principles when it comes to forgiveness are repentance, redemption, and reconciliation. According to John 3, 16-17, forgiveness always involves repentance, redemption, and reconciliation. Atonement means that I am engaged in the hard work to restore the relationship to its original or even better state. Kapara, one, is the Hebrew word for atonement, which also means to wipe clean. Spilling grape juice on the carpet requires not only an apology, because the stain is still there. Atonement requires me to get the carpet clean so that no more stain remains. The power of forgiveness lies in the fact that God in Genesis 3.21 performs the act of atonement. God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. Adam and Eve tried to cover themselves, but their attempt to cover themselves was inadequate. So, covers, so covers by taking the skins from animals, the shedding of innocent blood. These animals had to die so that appropriate coverings and atonement could be made for Adam and his wife.